All right, guys, we're also brought to you by Hepius. Now, Hepius is your number one place to go for premium CBD products that won't break the bank. They have something for everybody. They're perfect for the first time user because it's basically wholesale pricing. There's no THC. Uh, it's USA grown. It's third party lab tested. It's all legit. It's all great. They have uh, sleep aids, freeze roll-ons, uh, daily use tinctures. I mean, they got everything. So go check them out. Happiestmed.com, H-E-P-I-U-S-M-E-D.com and grab a bottle. Uh, we're also powered by Poddex. Poddex is your number one way to start a podcast. I've talked about these guys before and I use them all the time. Uh, funny interview questions, uh, episode starting prompts. This is where it's at. So if you want to do this and you need to get your creative juices going, go to poddex.com, save 10% on me, uh, by using code thinking project 10 at checkout and get exactly what you're looking for. Now, um, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram. Facebook is at the thinking project pod. Instagram is at Dalton KJ. Uh, more importantly, text me, guys. This is where you're going to get all the info right away. Giveaways, uh, guests, um, promotions, all that good stuff. Uh, text me, 810-202-0177. Again, 810-202-0177. Shoot me a text, add me to your phone, and you won't regret it. <laughs> so listen, today we had an amazing guest. Candice, who's the CEO of Exodus, a nonprofit organization here in Utah um, that's focused on human trafficking. And as much as it's a worldwide issue, guys, it's a local issue. So it, we had an amazing conversation about, you know, knowing the signs, how to get involved, uh, becoming aware. I think awareness is a huge deal. Um, and focusing on a good cause, uh, getting rid of human trafficking. I mean, it's such a big deal. And I was blown away in this episode just to know all the info she, uh, you know, gave to us. So please tune in. You won't regret it. And without further ado, please welcome Candice to The Thinking Project. Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. And I know that it was kind of difficult to put schedules together, but I'm really glad that we got to talk, especially because you, I know that um, you do a nonprofit and I, and I know the name, but I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions. So why don't you tell me a little bit like what you do uh, yeah. with your nonprofit and everything like that? Absolutely. So I am the CEO of Exodus. It's spelled E-I-X-I-T-U-S. So Exodus. Um, it is actually Latin for the ending of a, a long-term chronic disease, and wow. we work in anti-trafficking, and so we very much are looking to end this pandemic, that's the popular word nowadays, or we believe an epidemic of human trafficking, yeah. so uh, yeah, which is is taking over the world right now, right. so yeah. Um, we sit at the corner, like the intersection of public health and trafficking. So we work with um, medical providers and have a wonderful aftercare program that we plug um, trafficked persons into once we've identified mm. safely exited them. Um, and that's what we do. And we do it internationally and we do it nationally because trafficking does happen here wow. locally in our cities here. Yeah, you know what? Um, I... I didn't realize that Utah, because we're recording this out of Utah, but I didn't realize that Utah had such a big 
that it was that big of a deal. Like I didn't, I know. And it's, and I feel so like, you know, bad saying that cause you know, but just like every day until I learned about it a couple of years ago, I was just like, Oh, we live in a place like this could never happen here. And, and lo and behold, it does. It does. And I think there's this misconception of trafficking we've seen and okay. social media is really great of giving everyone just enough information, and maybe just enough wrong information. Mm, <laughs> so, seriously. Uh, yeah. Trafficking has been on the rise and trending uh, what we're talking about it. But one thing that we like to do at Exodus is really help people understand what trafficking is. And okay. so um, Trafficking, the word itself, is a legal term that was created to prosecute traffickers, um, but really what it means is exploitation of a vulnerable population. So mm. when you talk about human trafficking, it goes beyond the pictures and graphics we see of just small children being sex trafficked possibly and being bound and tied in basements in a jungle somewhere, but it is, it looks just like the 17 or 22-year-old girl in downtown Salt Lake who's being exploited uh, for sexual purposes and being exchanged mm. for something of monetary value. It looks like the orphans on an orphan exchange black market in Eastern Europe, which we deal with heavily. I worked on an, an orphan team for many years. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, it looks like child soldiers in Africa. Uh, boys will be taken in the middle of the night to join militias, and uh, that's a, a form of trafficking. Um, we've got uh, slave labor happens all over in the Malaysian countries as well. Um, and then, of course, we have sex trafficking, which looks a little bit different from Cambodia to Eastern Europe to the United States. Those sex economies look different, but that's also a form of trafficking, as well as the, one of the most gruesome ones is um, organ harvesting, which is actually yeah. fairly right now. Yeah. So you said organ harvesting, like that's one of the, like one of the more popular ones. It's, it's uh, I, to me, it's one of the more gruesome ones. All oh, yeah, okay. is, is, is horrible, but yeah. it's because that organ harvesting more prevalent and, and we see that more often in these uh, farming of children uh, to utilize their organs on the black market. And that's happening Man. even more prevalently now. Just as, it, all of trafficking is on the rise right now. All of it is really. Right. Well, you know, that's so interesting. Like, it's just so crazy. And I'm sure the pandemic, like I've heard as I've, you know, you know, touched on a few other uh, human trafficking nonprofit organizations like yours, but I've just, I've noticed that, or at least I've heard that through the pandemic, it's, it's ticked up a little bit. Is that your experience as well? It really has. It's actually exploded. We've really? seen okay. between 200 and 300% as wow. far as the cases and instances we're having of trafficking That's that we're insane. seeing. Um, yeah. There's trafficking that goes unseen, uh, which is why education is huge because some of it is happening right under our noses and it's being unseen because we don't know what trafficking looks like. Yeah. Whew. So, Okay. So, I mean, obviously we're going to go a little bit in, on this podcast, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Um, and we're certainly going to talk about, I'm going to let you talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about as far as like, you know, how to catch signs and things like that. But I want to know kind of at the beginning of this, like, how did you, I mean, did, is this your original company or you have taken over as a CEO or? 
Yeah, so Exodus came about. We have been working with people who work in Exodus, have been working. We have, this is my 11th year in trafficking. Um, And we have my partner, this is his 10th year. And we were working on a pilot project for the last five years with another organization. Um, That pilot project took a little bit of a different route and we found some better identification ways of integrating into a trafficking community. That being said, it created its own kind of entity and that's where Exodus so we have been all working together for the last uh, about 10 years and finally the last two years have kind of come forward and in the last year been been really public because we have so much work on our plate we need more awareness we need more advocacy we need more funding um, but yeah. we found wonderful strategies and actually developed and created an amazing aftercare program that now a lot of these uh, trafficked or exited traffic persons can plug into that we mm. haven't before Oh, wow. So then you and your partner developed Exodus. Correct. Yes. Okay, my wow. And my partner currently is in open operations, so he is anonymous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. That's fine. Well, I mean, certainly, and, and I certainly understand, you know, anonymity in, in an industry like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, yeah. it can get kind of gnarly, but I appreciate, so I, I appreciate that even more that you're willing to come on and, and talk about this and, and, you know, and spread awareness and, and the word. And so, but, is this something you said you've been in this industry for 11 years, right? Um, Is this something that you've always had a passion for even previous to working in this or? Yeah, I've always been a social justice freedom fighter type person (laughs) and believing in the quote unquote world peace more so standing up for people who don't have a voice. And so I, I'm a clinician and working, nursing was my background. I started working in public health and in emergency medicine and started doing more and more work in, in third world countries, um, was speaking and writing and an advocate for a trafficking organization um, on trips and rescue operations they had done, um, ended up doing a pro bono case for uh, medically guided. And just once you kind of get in this field, it's really hard to get out. <laughs> yeah, so, well, I mean, especially yeah. if it's something you're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Once you see it, um, and there's, it's a very select group of people. There's not many anti-trafficking organizations and there's not many people who work in the field of medicine and trafficking um, or in any field in trafficking really in general. And so where this small uh, community of people and the amount of urgency and the passion that has helped between all of us really in this community um, is it's the way that we live our lives. And once you see and hear and know these things, it becomes this life mission of, I have to show these people, these people have to be heard. They have to be seen. We have to do something because nobody else is going to do it. So then it just becomes, this is what you eat, sleep, live, and breathe. I, I, my kids know what I do. They, they ask mm. questions. They know about countries and people and, um, and even, you know, statistics in the United States, uh, they make jokes about it. We talk about it over dinner. It just, <laughs> just um, this is our lifestyle is what we do, where we go, um, the people that we, we work with and what we talk about. Yeah. That's, a, that's awesome. So let me ask you this, cause you brought up, you know, that your, your kids know what you do and, and I'm, and I'm assuming something that you're pretty open with. How do you approach the topic of teaching about human trafficking, sex trafficking, things like that. How do you approach that with your children? Absolutely. One of the biggest mission statements, well, the the mission statement of our home is there is always room. Whether it's someone at the table, having someone on a bed, a place for a couch, a listening ear, Mm. someone 
by five, whatever that is. Our home is always open. And teaching that to my children is also making room in their hearts, is standing up for people, being kind. Um, if we see someone hurting, we're kind to them. Obviously, I have a younger, I have a younger child and I have a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, different ages get a little bit different information, but I think the bottom right. line is being kind and seeing people. So do we sacrifice things at times um, to actually see people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I sacrifice time away from mom. Mom's gone sometimes. Mom can't communicate sometimes just because yeah. of the situation that we're in. And <laughs> so um, we sacrifice some things to be kind, um, but also in seeing people, you notice things, you're observant, you notice when yeah. someone's which then will lead to being observant about possible trafficking. We talk about being safe yeah. on the internet. Right now, the internet is the way of the world for children. Yeah, uh, we talk about, cool. yeah, talk about um, getting, um, not talking to strangers. Um, right. Sorry, I have some notifications on my computer just kind of rampant. Oh, <laughs> you're good. No, I, I get it. And people know, like, as a side note, like when we have these podcasts, like I, I tell them that we do a lot of Zoom, so that yeah, stuff happens, right. but it's, the quality of the message. And I think we have like the best quality of message right now. So awesome. yeah, but yeah, so internet, so going back to the kids, internet is yeah. huge teaching them not to talk to strangers. Uh, we can, as parents, we have to be incredibly aware of what they're yeah. looking at, what they're seeing, what they're being a part of. Um, apps like Snapchat, uh, I'm going to say it. I know I hate to name things, but I'm going to say yeah. they're dangerous for children. They are dangerous because children are so trusting. And so when you have yeah. a child that's hurting and they find a random friend on an app, uh, they don't know who really is on that other side. And mm-hmm. so mentally and emotionally, they're not in a place to actually even care about who's on their other side as long as they're saying the right things to them. Yeah. So we have careful with them on the internet, as well as them seeing people. If you see someone who's hurting at school, you know, being cognizant and being emotionally aware is super important to teach our children. And that helps lead to understanding and seeing things that we may not have seen uh, before. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is super important is, you know, to help with kids because as they're in school, I mean, a lot of these, because I've talked to people who are in like the abuse world who have nonprofits for um, you know, children who are being abused and things like that. And school is like one of the big places where we get to catch. Sometimes we can catch these things. Right. And so ha- teaching kids to know the sign that can be a really big help at least, right. At least an aid. Right. Yeah. And, and, and one of the biggest things is building trust. So teaching kids to right. create friendships with maybe people who may not, they would think would be their friend. I know um, to give an example, there was yeah. a girl in Jordan, who was in high school and she was 15 years old. And for an entire summer, she was stuck in her bedroom and she was being trafficked by a person on the other end of an app. He said he was a 15 year old boy and he asked for her to take risque photos. She kept doing it, thinking she was building this relationship with this cute boy ended up being a 30 plus year old man. And he was utilizing her photos online. And he said, if she told anyone, he would share them with all of her friends because he had her friends list. So he just exploited this young girl. Um, And how, how she was able to get out of that was a friend noticed something was different with her. And so he, he reached out to her and they had lunch and he, she was able to tell him what was going on. They told adults and authorities and were able to stop this exploitation. But wow. in regards to children at this age, I have a teenager as well. Befriending these people, befriending other people around you that may not be your first choice of friend or even your close <laughs> friends. 
and noticing yeah. noticing something that's wrong with them, something going on. Um, it is happening in our high schools in, in suburban America. Mm. It is happening in our churches, our schools, our communities. Um, we've had instances where there were girls who had been trafficked to family members and friends in the neighborhood down the wow. street and they were going to Whole Foods and, and Smith's and Marketplace every day and no one had any idea what was going on. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, so I mean, and how do you teach the public, like what signs to look for? Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things is teaching them what not to look for. Okay. And a lot of times, <laughs> All right. a lot Times we have a misconception that someone's being bound in a basement with ropes and chains and duct tape across their mouth. And that is not always true. One of the things that we have at Exodus is we have an advisory panel of survivor consultants, those who have lived through trafficking and been exited safely. And they come back and tell us what has been detrimental to the safe recovery of those in trafficking situations. And one of that is they have a hard time with the ads that we share on social media and the images we're sharing on the internet because that's not necessarily them. They're not mm. being bound in basements. They're not across the ocean in Cambodia. There are, but there are traffic people in Cambodia, sure, but sure. not always what it is. Um, and understanding that trafficking is exploitation. So if you see a vulnerable population, there's an opportunity for them to be exploited. And so mm. understanding that it doesn't look like this Hollywood romanticized idea. Um, and Liam Neeson is not always the savior in these instances. <laughs> Uh, no, I, but you know what, that it's good that it's good that you say that because I think a lot of people do, you know, they think of like, uh, you know, a lot of these other organizations that will go out and, and do these like, you know, midnight operations to save all these kids. But, but I like that you pointed out that vulnerable populations and while like, while you mentioned it, while those can be some cases and those happen, right. The, the more, um, I guess, I guess like statistically normal way would be like you know a child online or or going to smith or something like that right yeah absolutely for instance uh salt lake give you some more examples in salt lake yeah. we have a high traffic population of foster children so kids who were in foster homes and they ran away um these are now late teens so 17 18 19 20 yeah. years old they're being exploited on the streets in Salt Lake. Jeez. Well, and you mentioned vulnerable population. And, and so like, and I don't know why this just clicked now for me, but it makes sense. You know, a vulnerable population, those, those ages like 12 to 24, right? Like that's a huge time, Absolutely. you know? I mean, you're getting, so I, I have, I tend to tell people about this one story in particular. I had a woman who was a 19, 20 year old mother in Eastern Europe. Um, she had a, a small girl who had a visual impairment at the age of six. Someone took her and said she couldn't take care of her. They would take care of her, ended up selling her to a, suffic a trafficking sect. Um, and much later on, we were able to rescue this girl as a teenager. So she was being trapped, had been trafficked for many, many years. Wow. Same thing in the United States. We have these young women who are 18, 19, 20 years old. They have children. Unfortunately, they don't have a, a good source of income, maybe low education, maybe low skill set, and they're worried about feeding their children. All of a sudden, they get wrapped up in a trafficking situation. They're being exploited, being exploited for monetary gain, and now there's this fear. Um, now mm. there's shame, there's embarrassment that comes around it, and they've been exploited for, um, you know, illicitly exploited for years just to maintain the health and well-being of their children. Yeah, um, and that puts them in those vulnerable populations. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and, and that's just, you know, those stories are like super hard to hear because, you know, I was on with an author who wrote a book called ICU, um, Julie Lee, and, 
and yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, that theme keeps coming up, uh, you know, with like just being able to just like empathize with people and, and see individuals in those circumstances and just try to offer help. So like, you know, if, you know, you're in this organization, what, what kind of programs do you have to, you know, be proactive versus a, a reactive situation? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we can do to help safely exit someone is to create fidelity and trust. And, and part of that is yeah. we have um, an outreach part of our programs where we do bring things like hygiene items and the, the typical things that you would see at Christmas time, the organization yeah. select shoes and clothing. But beyond that, we offer condoms and STD testing things to keep these people safe because this is, that's how they're being exploited. Yeah. And Understanding that they may feel shame and guilt, but they also, in order to be exited, they also need to stay alive. And part <laughs> yeah. of it is making sure that they're healthy in this this season of exploitation. Um, and so we do wound care. We do um, the STD testing. We provide health for them, nutrition mm. for them, and then create this bond of trust and help them exit that exploitation safely. And then also follow them all the way through in an aftercare program that has congruent care all the way through so we can help them get to the next stage. Right. I'm sure mental health care is a big one for you guys. Absolutely. Um, if you can imagine the mass amounts of trauma, yeah. um, people are violated on an average 17 times a day mm -hmm. when they're in exploitation. That it goes mm -hmm. the same for a 10 year old child as you see a 22 year old female. Um, and yeah. so the amount of trauma of living through that, let alone one day, possibly years, um, the mental health that comes is, is gravitas and we have to have a lot of work. So we've seen in our research that attrition rates are high if we only offer care for maybe two or three months. We have to have programs that allow them care for a year. So uh, the Exodus care program is 14 to 16 months. And they live somewhere safely, they mm -hmm. learn skills they deal with substance abuse problems because substances do come along through exploitation yeah, um, yeah. i can imagine okay. yeah they learn coping they learn all these therapeutic modalities and they learn job skills they learn how mm. to handle money um we connect them to employers kind of at the end which is something that a lot of small businesses don't know the possibility wow. they have where they can plug in and help offer lower skill lower education jobs to help these people get on their feet and become individuals that can be prosperous yeah you know i think that's you know now that you mentioned that that's probably one of the coolest things um that i think society can do for especially people like people in those circumstances right and ha having those experiences is like getting them like connected with somebody you know getting them a job where they because you know as adults you know we have work and we have work friends and a lot of our big chunk of our lives revolves around that and so being able to assimilate back into something like that is probably a huge help for people that, that a lot of maybe a lot of these small businesses don't even know about yeah, absolutely. And if you think too, they've been exploited and been dependent upon their exploitation mm. and their traffickers yeah. for years. So now they have to figure out how to live on their own. And that's a big transition too. That's, that's <laughs> tough. Yeah, that's tough. And so we are, we help connect that gap. 
Um, one of the things we do is, and I think we touched on it, of how the communities, these local businesses can help. And that's kind of the heart of Exodus. Um, we have a very unique way of connect, connecting and attracting community and creating these relationships to help exit. Um, but that also allows the community around the trafficking, the trafficked individuals and the trafficking that's happening to empower themselves and start to push out trafficking. And this epidemic that's kind of encroached every little area we're empowering these communities to say this is not acceptable. We see these people and we are support these people. And we have a foundation to do that. So from the ground up versus government down and, and law enforcement down from the ground up, these people can then support those who have been trafficked, help them exit safely mm. and then keep them in their communities and keep them where yeah. they are. Because the other, the other downside, um, is there a time and place where they, like you had mentioned, these midnight rescues? Yes, there is. When young children are being right. exploited, absolutely, that's the way to do it. But what happens when we pick up these people and then drop them off somewhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> good point. After. Yeah. So right. keeping them in, in communities or locations, geographic locations, cultures close to what they've grown up with is important. So we kind of integrate them back into their communities and that also provides mm -hmm. stability and long-term stability so that they can then kind of put an end to this trafficking epidemic because these communities are now empowered and able to say no. Yeah, well, and now they, you know, and now they have somebody in there who knows the signs, who might be able to tell uh, and then really get people on their side because you know, this is where I'm from. I, you know, I made it back and we can all work together to be better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's cool. That's really, that's really interesting and really fun. So like, I mean, you had mentioned a little bit of your story, you know, getting into this nonprofit organization, how was it building the team um, mm -hmm. to, to make these things happen? Yeah. So what's, what's fun is that the, this field of trafficking, um, of anti-trafficking is small. So we all tend to kind of run into each other. We bump into yeah. each other, we see each other often, we work on projects together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so our team of people is actually a group of people who have been in this industry for a long time in different aspects. Our marketing team, they actually yeah. uh, have um, experience working in organ harvesting in Peru. Uh, we have people who have worked on Eastern European teams with myself, who worked in Cambodia, Haiti, worked in South America. So they come from all over and you have yeah. this mass collection of expertise and experience. And you have quite a few that the field of trafficking is fairly young. It's about 20 plus years old. It's not, it's not super old um, yeah. so when you have someone who has experience of 10 plus years so you can kind of count them as intermediate to expert level understanding what we know now yeah. wow and so you've got a lot of expertise to pilot new medicine to pilot aftercare programs to pilot identification yeah. so that's where we all come from and your and your organization mostly focuses on and correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, I'm just trying to help, you know, I'm trying to work through this, but do you, you guys mostly focus on aftercare or do you also, or are you also heavily involved in, in rescuing? Absolutely. We are heavily involved in rescuing as okay. well. Okay. So the identification process is kind of the secret sauce. All right, right. <laughs> well, secret sauce, not because we don't want people to get involved, but because we need safety. So we yeah. need safety for the people that are in identification, safety for the people that are being exited through identification. But we start with identification and the trafficking community. Um, and then we help fill some gaps. One of the biggest gaps is a financial gap. And so we've created yeah. that bridge to get to the aftercare as well. So wow. we start in the identification, we uh, have the safe exit of these trafficked persons, and then we place them in aftercare and then help them get connected to an employment service and housing after. 
Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, I'm just learning more about, you know what I mean? I'm just taking this opportunity to learn and, and, and help people know exactly what's going on. So let me ask you this though, uh, because of your, because of your, you know, experience and expertise, right? Why do you think it's so hard? Like, because until, until people hear an interview like this, or maybe they see, you know, one of your ads or an ad for another nonprofit uh, on social media or, or TV or something, why, why do you think this is such a hard one for people to get involved with? Because like you said, you know, it's, it's fairly new. Um, I, I know it's risky, but it's almost like, you know, when I go around people like almost don't want to talk about it and, and I might be wrong and that just be, might be my experience, but I'm just curious. No, you're super right. Whenever I go to a dinner party and people ask, what do you do? It's like, all of a sudden it's the Debbie Downer. It's like, oh, right. I'm yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I was, I was a little nervous asking that question, but I was just like, what's you're going right. on? Right. I'm the dark cloud that comes in. And I think it's because, and, and, and it happens mostly in America and I'll, I'll be pretty blunt here. We mm. are a privileged society and knowing these horrible things that happen to people. And let me tell you, I have seen horrible, gruesome genocide things that happen to a person you uncomfortable. And you know what? They should make you uncomfortable. And the only problem with that is, is that we tend to not talk about the uncomfortable. And that's why people like myself, we want to change that and actually talk about it. Let's make ourselves uncomfortable so that we can make a difference and we can actually change people's lives. Um, And it's it's incredibly uncomfortable to talk about. Um, And it's also, it's a, it's a delicate field in the sense that it is crime. And anyone who's involved in crime is afraid of getting caught, going to prison, getting sentenced. Um, And also it's an economy. Let's be honest. Trafficking is an economy. And so when it comes to the safety, people fight for their jobs just as much as a trafficker fights for their money too. Yeah. It is, it, it is a risky business. Um, because it is wrong and unjust, there is a bunch of, of deception that is happening and it's hard to be able to skillfully, um, intercede in those situations and circumstances. And so you do need to have skills, resources, and education on how to do that safely for the individuals and for yourself working in it. So it is kind of one of those, um, fields where I tell people you wouldn't hire an electrician to do a plumbing job and you wouldn't just hire your next door neighbor to do help in trafficking rescue. You. And so it's, yeah. uh, there's a skill set there to understanding it. Yeah. So, and when you say skill set, like help me understand that, tell me a little bit more about, um, what kind of, you know, skill sets would, would you look for in somebody to join your organization? Absolutely. We actually uh, just placed an ad because we are hiring um, a program assistant, but um, we have different avenues um, in different areas where you can plug in. We have everything from marketing and because we have a wonderful advisory panel of survivors, they actually spend time with our marketers and Mm. they they go through a trafficking education course to understand what you cannot put in an ad vernacular and words you can and can't use, Um, things like that. So they go through kind of a training of sorts, even on the marketing side, so that they understand what that looks like in the ads and fundraising and events that we post um, and the way we phrase things on social media um, and the way we present to the community. Um, We have uh, positions for medical providers. We have medical providers that come in and they have, they go through kind of this, uh, we look for people who have done emergency care. We look for those types of um, resources because trafficking is everywhere and we do have global operations. So that's important to us. Mm-hmm. We have community outreach and relations. And so it's understanding the temperatures of social justice and public health. 
Mm -hmm. um, and that this is specific to our organization. And then of course we have security consultants and task force uh, team, and they have experience working in the trafficking division. And I let them do what they do. <laughs> they do a wonderful job. Yeah, yeah, for real. And keeping us safe. And we let them yeah. do their thing. And they are a certain set of people. Um, so yeah, so there are different areas you can plug in. Um, one of the best things you can do is support those who are plugged in. Uh, you can do it financially. Uh, resources also as far as uh, toothbrushes, toothpaste, sock shoes, those things are important to us yeah. as well as small businesses providing employment for the people that we've rescued. We do look for housing for people. There's a lot of different avenues. If you think about what it takes to be a yeah. person, you can plug in, in in any way possible being a person. <laughs> so. Right. Well, yeah, you know, and I think it's just, I think it's also good. And one of the reasons I brought that up was because I think it's good for people to also understand like that there's a lot that goes into this, you yeah. know, that there's a, that it's more than just like, uh, you know, whatever they're thinking in their head, it, it, there's a lot of fine, finer details, a lot of intricacies, especially helping people, you know, that, that 14 to 16 month aftercare program that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, that, That's a lot. Holy cow. It and, is. And where do you go for, um, I mean, you obviously have job trainers there in your, in your organization, I'm sure. And that connect, that help connect people with jobs and train them for jobs and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we have, That's we, cool. we're very specific in who we hire and who we bring on. They, they're vetted very well. Um, because the other thing too, and it's funny that you bring this up. I'm glad you did. Um, <laughs> have really good uh, good friends that are the quote-unquote gym bros and they want to yeah. go knock down doors and take out people and we just kind of laugh about it because yeah um because you have to do it safely we yeah. have to worry about the individual the survivor right. when you're worried right. about the survivor you realize it's no longer about you and what you think is just or what you think is right you have to keep them uh in the forefront of your mind right. and so them safely can't just be a knock down a door. It doesn't provide them safety. And You're also, right. Totally right. Yeah. It lowers the attrition rate. Wow. Um, we, they either get drawn back into trafficking because they don't feel supported and safe um, or they overdose or they're murdered. I mean, the right. top three things that happen to these people, if we don't do it the right way, are very detrimental and they're life altering. So we can't just go and knock down doors. <laughs> you have to have specific yeah. people. Yeah. That them well. Right. Well, and you know, and, and so, and so I, I like that because that's something that I've learned just, just when you deal with people, like there's an idea that, you know, once they're, you know, once we save somebody from whatever, you know, trafficking, a mental illness, um, poverty or whatever it is, like once we do that, like this person should magically be fine. And that's not the case. Like there's right. definitely a lot of care that has to go in a lot of you know, therapy and a lot of these things. Well, especially for the man, especially for the youth that, yeah. you know, the 12 to 24, I mean, man, that's so crazy, especially, and they're the most vulnerable. They're the most vulnerable, right? Those are the people, I mean, if, if it's not the highest, it's, it's in the top three, like of death by suicide in that range. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you can imagine mentally and you touched yeah. on the help. Uh, if you were a, a 17 year old girl and your worth has been bound up by a trafficker, which beyond when I say bound, I'm not talking about ropes are being stuck sure. somewhere. I'm talking about mentally, but you mentally, yeah. that your worth is maybe a $20 sex act. Mm -hmm. That's all that you're worth. And that's all that you bring to the table. 
gosh, can you imagine trying to fix that mindset yeah, and become become valuable in the world and valuable to yourself? Well, um, well, yeah, and 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 helping people, you know, feel you know, even before that, because I know we meant, we were talking about this earlier, a lot of people, you know, a lot of these youth will get into that looking for kind of like that validation. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and so, man, it's just so crazy. It is. <laughs> and I think, and that's, I think that's my, like, my biggest thing to parents, yeah. tell them like, gosh, teach your children to value and see people above yeah. anything else, because this next generation is going to make these changes trafficking is a family affair. I have met traffickers who are grandparents to the grandsons that have been trafficking people for generations. If we change our generations, if we change the way we feel and see and hear and emotionally grasp things, we're going to start to change what's acceptable. It's no longer acceptable to prey upon these vulnerable populations. When these vulnerable populations start to diminish because we've now seen them and not made them vulnerable anymore. We've now these people who are looking for validation yeah. uh, we're friending them we're giving them a space we're giving them a place and so it's yeah. super important to teach our kids to do that and i and i think there i will not see the end of trafficking in my generation we won't, sure. we won't. Sure. it's so large uh, realistically we won't we can make a huge dent in it i think the next generation we can and i think it works with world and global concepts changing in your mind yeah of understanding social justice, understanding kindness, understanding acceptance, I yeah. think it's important. Well, and I think too, I think ending the stigma of just talking about it. Absolutely. Like I think, so in my experience with anything, and, I'll, and I might get a little sidetracked here, but it'll come back. But like, you know, our stigma with um, sex, with drugs, with anything else, right? With the, I mean, the D.A.R.E. program was like the ultimate failure. Right. <laughs> because right. like, you know what I'm saying? Because like, we thought that we could like scare people into not doing things. And so my, and my whole point behind this is like ending the stigma, but, but just being open about it. You know what I mean? Like it is, it is something that's real. It is hard to talk about. It's hard to listen to, but once you become aware and once you know the signs, like talking about it opens up so many avenues of you know, um, stopping it before it happens, catching it, rehabilitating people who've been through it. I mean, and with trafficking, like I said, like there's a huge problem with like, you know, like my parents had a huge problem talking about um, sex and and these things, right? Um, That really didn't help anything. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't have a safe place to talk about it. So you went somewhere else and that's, and now we, and now we end up, um, where we, where we have organizations like yours helping yeah. people in sex trafficking. Yeah, exactly. No, we need to be comfortable talking about it. I, I actually was just, I was just speaking somewhere and I was sharing a story. My son had a hamster. And if you know me, anyone knows personally knows that I hate animals. I mean, I love animals, but I hate them in my home. I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> I get it. We're not animal people. I'm not, I tried having a dog and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yes. I love dogs. Can't have one. <laughs> yes. And so, um, my, someone gifted my son a hamster. Um, I am a single mom and they go spend a a week or two weeks with their dad in the summer. And so they were on, they were gone for a week and a half and I was in charge of feeding the hamster and keeping this hamster alive. Um, I swear I did. I fed him. I did did my dutiful duty of of, of, of keeping this hamster alive. Um, and, uh, my son came back. And he was loving on this hamster and, and holding him and kissing him and sharing sweet nothings. Um, yeah. And 
which was surprised me because this hamster is just a nasty, like he is like <laughs> the fluff ball of Satan and yeah. <laughs> he does not let you hold him. Yeah. And so the fact that he was even being held by my son kind of surprised me. And then the next morning he's like, gosh, I guess Chubby Buns really missed me because he's letting me hold him even more. Yeah. And I'm like, my mind is like, hold on a second. There's yeah. gotta be something wrong with this hamster. Yeah. And um, he, we go and look in Chubby Buns is absolutely dead. Just so oh, dead. No. <laughs> so my son had been playing and holding this dead hamster and not knowing it. And this is, I, I relate this in the sense of there are so many times we're holding and playing with things and have no idea that it's a dead thing. And mm. we live our everyday lives completely ignorant to the fact that this dead thing is sitting on our shoulders. And if we are mm. just willing to talk about it, then we can do something about it. Yeah. We can provide at, um, available resources to actually save them. We can do something to make a difference <laughs> instead yeah. of continuing on and being ignorant that we're playing with a dead thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, I really like that story. It's very powerful because a lot of people don't realize that. Well, and, and they don't realize too, that, that the, that, you know, it, when you were telling that story, I was thinking of the dead thing being not talking about it. They're like, ah, if I just don't talk about it, it's not going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? If I don't know, you like hear no evil, see no evil kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's not it, man. You can't do that. Cause like, we know that that doesn't work. Like, proven it doesn't work like for example like uh, a big misconception and i'm sure you know about this but like um talking about suicide doesn't cause suicide right, right? like somebody right. who's in a depressed state um maybe having suicidal thoughts um asking them like hey are you are you thinking about this doesn't cause it it actually pulls them out and it, and it can help them right and and so just man yeah you hit it right on the head like just being able to just like not like realize that this is not what you want to do. <laughs> you and want it, to talk it, about it. Absolutely. And I think it changes your mindset. And that's a, that's kind of what you're asking people do is to think right. outside of themselves. When I'm washing the dishes and I just got done with a meal that I was able to make with multiple ingredients on a stove. And I live in a nice neighborhood with my kids yeah. running around. Um, in that moment, someone's being trafficked. In that moment, someone's being starved. In that moment, someone's being beaten, being violated. Uh, gruesome things are happening to them and I'm living my everyday life. Does that mean I walk around mm -hmm. heavy and in and, and this dark cloud? No, it means that I know that it's happening and I'm doing things to help rectify that. I'm doing things yeah. to help change that. Um, and right. so that's the kind of what you're asking people to do. You don't have to walk around and, and forsake <laughs> everything that you have. Yeah. Know what's happening and make make turn it should make you uncomfortable one it should make you angry too yeah, because yeah. this is incredibly unjust what's happening to these people um but turn that anger into action because if you don't you just are a complainer you're the quote-unquote <laughs> parent of trafficking so yeah. stop sharing social media posts and actually go and do something about it plug into an organization yeah. don't give you know support the people that have the expertise to make a difference yeah and and what do you say is the best way to support like an organization like yours, like your organization. Um, absolutely. I will tell you one of the biggest ways to do it is financially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it takes money. It's not cheap. Like we know mental health isn't cheap. That's, that's the number one pre reason and people don't go get it. Right. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest gaps. So Exodus exists because there are gaps in, in an anti-trafficking world that we needed to fill. And one of the biggest ones is the financial gap. There is not health insurance. There is not mental health counseling. There is not safe exit for these people mm -hmm. unless it's 
done privately. There is not homes for these people. Um, in order to do that, someone has to come in and actively do that for them and help them. They are vulnerable population. They cannot mm. do it for themselves. So in order for us to do that, we do need help. We are completely funded by donors and private funding. We do wow. need help. We need, and that's one of the reasons why we're so public right now is because we have gotten to the point where we need help from the community to stand up and to support the massive amounts of requests for help that we have. Yeah. And so we, in order to make a difference, we need to support them. And one of the biggest gaps is that financial gap. Well, and, and I mean, and like I say, I mean, it's kind of one of those, you know, things that's, you know, you, you have to have that. And so I appreciate that, but it's also like true though. Like I, I, like I get that, you know, you have to have like, therapists aren't cheap, homes aren't cheap, education, like even if you have somebody coming to teach them, like being able to find these things, that's not cheap, you know? So one of the, yeah, one of the things we've been able to do when you go to someone who has an expertise or who has this, who has done research and is able to work in these fields, they know how to effectively spend that money. They know yeah. how to be effective in your giving. So instead of just throwing money into a wishing room, <laughs> hoping it turns out okay, right. finding someone that's reputable that has the expertise to know how to effectively use that money is so important. Right. Um, because if you're not giving effectively, you actually harm the cause. And so it's important to be able to know how to give and, and that the person that you're giving to um, is using it very effectively. Um, and Exodus, we have partnerships with many people that allow us to make, be very cost effective. Um, we've self-supported for a long time in our organization. Um, and so we've become very mindful and we're cost effective in how we can support these people. And so it's taken a little while to get there but it's definitely utilized well um, and, and, uh, and it is incredibly effective in how we exit these people. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better because that's the, the I think that's the main thing people like to hear, when, especially when you're supporting someone financially is that, is that it's being taken care of. And, and I'm, and I'm totally on board with that. I, I mean, I know you, I've heard about you guys even before. And so like, before we had this interview, I was like, Exodus, like, I know what that is, but it might be different. <laughs> you know yeah. you know what I mean? But so I've heard about it and, and it's a, you know, and, and I really appreciate like the work you guys do and everything that you do. And, and I think people should really be more involved, especially when you're talking about um, a majority of these people are, are the younger adults and youth, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the whole thing is we love doing events and dinners. We love educating. Cool. Advocating. We do have a course that is um, going to go live shortly that helps educate. Oh, cool people and it is it, it it will give you a special code and people can go on and learn about trafficking and specific to their geographic areas which is kind wow. of neat. no like, kidding so like you can plug in like united states and western absolutely states. yeah and learn what it looks That's like nice. and what the vulnerable populations look like around you yeah um, you, you, you know, I think that's what people like nonprofit organization. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that's one of the things that like a lot of these nonprofit organizations miss outside of, of even just normal, you know, not dealing with human trafficking or things like that, but like teaching, like the best yeah. way to get a community involved is to like make them part of your team essentially by training them. Like, Hey, here's, you want to do something like, obviously, you know, we're going to need you to donate and things like this, but why don't you just take my class like the, and just learn about it. <laughs> yeah, just know about it. It's super Seriously. important. Just know the truth about it. Yeah. And, and actually, and that's I, one of the biggest flaws I think. And in a lot of fields is we are so quick to go to, um, 
Wikipedia and you help the, the yeah. jokes diagnosing yourself on the internet and like YouTubing, like I'm right. pretty sure fix my entire car on YouTube. Right. <laughs> like those things, will it actually run safely? I don't know. I did that on YouTube. Sure. But um, believing your perception or believing what you've seen on the internet as far as ads and random piecing together a meme or a graphic or yeah. I heard this somewhere. Um, yeah. But actually knowing the truth and actually having really good facts and good sources from where that comes from and good research is incredibly valuable, especially in the trafficking field and mm -hmm. understanding that. Um, and so we've taken a lot of time and worked with researchers and experienced people that work with us have come together to form this course to give you really accurate and well, well experienced expertise of sorts of, mm -hmm. um, of information um, and well thought out and researched statistics and understanding of your geographic location and what it really looks like and how you can plug in and, and really understanding the meat and the heart of what is this epidemic of trafficking? What is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's really, that's really cool. I really like, I really appreciate that. I'm going to tell everybody about that. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Because how, I mean, how is, easy is it for you to like, because sometimes I feel like, you know, we have these amazing conversations we get to hear about your amazing organizations. We donate things like this, but then like we, it's, it's almost like for people who, who can't come work directly for you, it almost feels like I'm helpless other than donating, but this kind of gives me, you know, I'm going to go take the course. Like this kind of gives me a way that like, Hey, I feel like I'm helping. Like I'm learning. I can be aware. I can, maybe I can see somebody on the street and help them because yeah. I've taken a class and I know. Yes. It's so funny because um, we, a particular person that we hired um, a while ago, he ended up going on a family trip like the week after we hired him and we put, we're putting him all the education, like all this onboarding education. He's like, oh my gosh, you changed my entire family trip as I'm walking through the streets of Portland and going here and going there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I see the world so differently. Yeah, yeah. So when you're able to experience and be educated on something, you do see the world differently and you can see how you can help them plug in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, well, I appreciate you coming on with me. I, I know that I don't want to take up, you know, your whole day, but I love this conversation. I really love what you guys are doing over there. And I really appreciate, you know, everything that we got to learn just here right now. Yeah. And, um, Thank is there, let me, let me ask you this but last question. Well, I'll ask two last questions, right? Was there anything that, that, um, you wanted to talk about that we might not have gotten to talk about any questions that you wanted me to ask that maybe I didn't? Yeah, no, trafficking is so broad. And I think we got to a lot of the heart of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, the biggest thing I would ever have anyone take away is that you can make a difference. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's about seeing the one and, and being survivor minded. And that's the point of what Exodus is. Amazing. And how do people, I mean, what's your website, social media, how do people find you to get involved if they, if they want to? Yeah, our website is joinexodus.org. So J-O-I-N and then exodus is spelled E-X-I-T-U-S, exodus.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and we have a gala coming up uh, this next month. We have a oh, couple wow. of events that I, um, you guys can jump on and see the dates and plug in and, and come and get to meet uh, people who work in anti-trafficking as well as a survivor too that loves sharing their story and saying thanks and appreciation for supporting those. Wow, that would be powerful. Deal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing, that's great. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here and taking the time and I really thank appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it.